Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it has been a funny week. I've never lost my voice like this. And, um, uh, I went to the, finally went to the doctor uh, on Wednesday because I had literally no voice. And, and I told you last Sunday that all these allergies here, these Texas allergies, I can't quite figure out. And it all settled in my throat. Um, but he's boosted everything that can be boosted, and I have at least a voice today to speak with. So if you'll uh, uh, kind of bear that in mind, I'll try to get through this here with you, because I'm really excited. We are kicking off a new series for our Christmas series right here this morning that we're simply just calling Carols. And what we're going to be doing is that we're looking at four different traditional carols that I think all of us love and appreciate that we sing at Christmas time, whether it's in church or at a Christmas party or when you go out caroling. And, and I think a lot of times we kind of sing these songs without really realizing the incredible and amazing spiritual truths that are actually in these carols that we sing. And so this morning I've chosen one that is my absolute favorite Christmas carol, and that is O Holy Night. You like that one, Vicki? I'm so glad. We'll hear, we'll hear it sung in, in a little bit later in the service. But let me get and give you the backstory of this carol. Because in 1843, a French priest was trying to figure out what to do and to, to celebrate the, the renovation of their parish. And so he asked a guy by the name of Placide um, Campo um, to write a poem from Luke chapter 2. The problem was that Placide was not a believer. He didn't go to church. He was actually a bit of a hellraiser within the community, but he was a great poet. And so the French priest asked him to write a poem for this special occasion, and so Placide did. He took Luke chapter 2 and created this poem, um, and he liked the poem so much that he asked his friend Aldolfo Adam to put it to music. The problem with Aldolfo, he also was not a believer. And so they created this song then that became so popular within the Catholic Church and it spread beyond the Catholic Church to other churches. A few years later, it was found out who wrote the lyrics and who wrote the music, and there was this big protest to get the song kicked out of the church, but by this time, it had become so popular that it was impossible for it to leave the church scene. A few decades later, about five decades later, the song became famous again because a guy by the name, the name of Reginald Fessenden, who was a 33-year-old Canadian professor, he did what people really thought was impossible, and that is that he made this makeshift generator in his garage, and he attached a microphone to it, and he broadcast the very first AM broadcast in the history of the world. That was on Christmas Eve, 1906. And on that evening, when he flipped the switch and it worked, he read the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, and then he took his violin and he played the carol, O Holy Night. And so the very first song that ever was played over the airways in all of history was this song, O Holy Night. Isn't that kind of cool? That's the song I want to talk with you about here this morning. I want you to try to imagine what that scene over 2,000 years ago was like. We, I think so many of us have these nativity sets. How, how many have a nativity set that you put up at Christmas time? You know, there, there's so much memory and there's so much beauty, I think, within that. Because in the nativity scene, you have the baby Jesus, you have the Virgin Mary, you have Joseph, you have 
the shepherds and the sheep. And a lot of times with nativity sets, you also have the, the wise men who didn't come to way later in the story, but we still kind of fit them into the nativity scene. And you have the cows there, and they're lowing. I have no idea what lowing means, but they're lowing there. And so it's just this beautiful scene that I think has so much nostalgia for so many of us. But when you think about it, that manger scene, as meaningful as it probably is to so many of us, that manger scene can actually be a disservice to what that night was really, really like. Because the reality was that there was a teenage girl who was nine months pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she with her probably teenage fiance, had traveled 80 to 100 miles to this town of Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. Now, ladies, all of you who have given birth to children, you probably have a greater reaction to that than most of the men in this room. But with our first pregnancy, um, Courtney's water broke in the middle of the night, and just driving her in our Mercury Sable a few miles to the hospital was an adventure in and of itself. I can't imagine driving or riding on a donkey for 80 to 120 miles when you're nine months pregnant. But that's what was going on with Mary and Joseph. And then when they get to Bethlehem, there wasn't a hospital for them to go to. They tried to get into some sort of hotel, and all of those were completely full. And so they ended up in what most scholars describe as a cave. Not, a, not an actual building, but a cave within the geography of the hill country there in Israel, where a place where animals could find shelter from the weather. And so this woman is giving birth in really one of the most wor worst environments that you can imagine. I mean, it's completely unsterile. There's no doctors, there's no nurses, there's no midwives there. There's no, there's no medication, there's no epidurals to help with the pain. That's the environment that they were in. For our first three kids, we have four kids, and our first three kids were born in Colorado Springs, and I have no idea why it was this way. I don't know if it was this, where, where, where all of you ladies had your, your, your deliveries, but for our first three kids in Colorado Springs, there was this thinking that mm, you shouldn't have any sort of medication or epidurals at that time. They wanted the moms to give birth naturally. And so for our first three kids, there was no pain medication, there was no epidurals for Courtney to have. But then when we moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, let me just tell you, the Deep South is a bit different than every other part of the country. Because ladies, women are treated like queens in the Deep South, and uh, they don't want the moms at all to have an ounce of pain. And so literally, when Courtney started going into labor, uh, they, when we drove into the hospital, they had her in a wheelchair, and they were immediately fixing her up to put an epidural inside of her. Because she, they did not want her to have an experience any ounce of pain. That was the difference in the four births of our kids. But when you think about Mary, there was no such thing as pain medications or epidurals there. And so all of you ladies who've gone through the pains of childbirth, can you imagine not having any of that happen? No doctors, no nurses, no modern-day equipment, no pain medication. Just that sheer uncertainty of your first pregnancy and delivery and the pain and the screams and... You're it's rough, you're alone, there's no one there to, to help you, and as, as much as the nativity seems so beautiful, there were no angels bringing peace into that moment. It, I mean, it was chaos, it was screaming, it was excruciating. This was the scene that was going on with Mary and Joseph. For us, 
Our first deliveries with our two daughters, Mackenzie and Madison, actually happened very quickly. As I mentioned, our first pregnancy, McKenzie, uh, Courtney's water broke in the middle of the night, and she woke me up in the middle of the night, and we hurried to the hospital, and three hours later, later we were holding our first child. Our second child, Madison, happened even faster than that. And so when we came to our third child, the doctor was really concerned for us that he would be born um, before we could get to the hospital. And so we had to make all these arrangements and preparations for this very quick delivery. And so everybody, as we got closer, was all, we were all on edge, not knowing if she'd go to, in delivery when she's at the grocery store or some store or at home or whatever. And so we were just all worried about this. Well, she started in labor on Thanksgiving morning 22 years ago. And and so we hurried, quickly got to the hospital. The whole staff was called in. It's Thanksgiving. You know, it's not the regular staff that was there on, 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 for a normal day because it was a holiday. And this whole, this, everybody thinking this is going to happen very quickly. But then all of a sudden, she stopped. All sorts of progressions. And we all just kind of sat around. I'm thinking I'm going to get my Thanksgiving dinner, lunch still in, you know, because it's morning. But hour after hour began to pass with no progression in, in her delivery there, to the point that the doctor, you can try, try to see the staff's kind of getting a little bored, a little bit upset, because they were called in because supposedly she's supposed to have this baby very quickly. And so he ends up coming into our hospital room and watching the afternoon football game with us. That's how our fourth, our, our third child was, and as the hours went by, I had this deepening concern that something was wrong. And so finally I told one of the nurses, I said, I just think something's wrong. I had this feeling that something's wrong. And she was trying to reassure me and said, no, 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 this is kind of the way it is. Sometimes it takes longer than we think it will. You don't have to worry about it. But she said, let me go ahead and check some things. And so she did, and immediately as she checked, she checked Courtney, she immediately ran out of the room and left. And we were just kind of sitting there, what, you know, what's going on? And a couple minutes later, in rushes the doctor with a bunch of other nurses and technicians carting all these different equipment. And all of a sudden, chaos and pandemonium was happening in that hospital room. And the doctor looked at it and says, we have a problem here. I need to check something. And so he went and checked her and said, yes, we the baby is stuck. And he's trying to come out like Superman. He's got his arm out in front of him, and he's stuck, and he's going into distress, and we need to do an, an emergency C-section. And so all around was just pure chaos, all these people moving around and beginning to prep Courtney for an, for an emergency C-section. All of a sudden, he said, stop, stop here for a minute, because I, I, I want to try something. He said, I'm going to try pinching the baby's hand and see if he'll retract his hand himself. And so that's exactly what he did, and thankfully, Landon retracted his hand, and the doctor had this big sigh of relief and said, now he should be able to come, and within 30 minutes, Landon was in our arms. Um, that was the birth of our, our, our three children here, and I'll never forget the chaos and the panic and the uncertainty that was swarming in that room with our, our, that, our third child, and when you think about it, when you think of Mary and Joseph in this cave, can you imagine with your first child, the unknown, the uncertainty, the panic, the pain, the screaming that's happening there? And she didn't have any doctors or nurses or midwives or any sort of special equipment to help. They just had each other. And so at this point, there's nothing about this night that it all seems holy. Now, when you look at this carol, 
There's a phrase in it that I want us to dig into here today that maybe you'll recognize when I say it or, you know, maybe just a song but you've never really thought about. But it's an amazing little phrase, and that phrase is this. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Isn't that an interesting phrase? There's so much depth in that phrase. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You know, I think if there are ever two words that really describe the condition of our world today, it is those two words, weary world. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's a great description of even our world today. It just seems like there's so much in our world that's overwhelming. This world is full of so much anxiety and worry and uncertainty. Depression and loneliness run rampant. Our nation is just so divided, and it seems like every third person is suffering some sort of of um, serious health problem. Families and marriages are struggling. And so it's, it's almost like we're all fighting just to stay above water. And so I think every single one of us can relate to that phrase, the weary world. But I love the phrase that comes before it, a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope. In the midst of a weary world was a thrill of hope. And so imagine there on that dark night, there's this thrill of hope. In the, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of panic, in the midst of screaming, in the midst of uncertainty, there's this thrill of hope. Those who had put their faith in God were wondering, is this it? Is this what we've been praying for? Is the Messiah coming, the one we've longed for, the one that we hoped for? And then suddenly, the weary world does what? The song says it rejoices. This weary world rejoices with this thrill of hope. And my prayer for you here today is that if there is any weary world in you, that you'll experience this thrill of hope. And inside of this, this weary world, you'll find the faith to rejoice. Why? Because even in the chaos of your darkest night, there is this new and glorious morn that is coming. When you think of that very first Christmas, it was filled with chaos and screaming and anxiety and uncertainty. But when the sun came up, the Son of God was there, the Messiah had been born. And on that new and glorious morn, everything changed. Because here's the thing, folks. One day with Jesus changes everything. One day with Jesus changes Everything in the Old Testament, um, Dan just read a passage in the book of Lamentations. And I want us to look at that here today um, because the book of Lamentations is an interesting book. It's a book written by the prophet Jeremiah, and, and he with the, the Jewish people are lamenting, severely depressed and, and heartbroken over what had happened because in the year 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire had invaded Israel and Judah and completely destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem. It was, it was decimated. And so through the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah is lamenting. He's mourning over the loss of all this. And so he's pouring out his heart into the text. But then when we get to chapter 3, there's a shift that happens in his own heart. Because Jeremiah moves from mourning to this moment of faith. Look at this in Lamentations 3, verse 20. It says, I will remember them... And my soul is downcast within me. 
Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In other words, Jeremiah, all up to this point, he's remembering the loss and the destruction that's happening. Emotionally, he's distraught. Emotionally, he's depressed. But then he says, yet this I will call to mind. In other words, my emotions aren't helping me here. But there's something inside of my spirit, there's something inside of me that recognizes that there still is hope here. And I've got to bring it from the back here to the forefront here so I can look at this because I remember this truth. And this truth is greater than what my emotions are going through right now. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so Jeremiah starts reminding him of himself of God's compassions, that they are new every morning, that they never fail. And then Jeremiah kind of loses himself as he's reminding himself about God's goodness. And at first he's talking about God, and all of a sudden he has to switch and, and put his attention back to God, where he says, great is your faithfulness, O God. Verse 24, I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait for the salvation of the Lord. And so today, what I want to do, I want to look at three truths that can help bring you this thrill of hope when your weary world is in darkness. These three truths here, I think, are just so important for every one of us. Number one, a new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. A new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need. Now, let me make note of what I didn't say. I didn't say a new day with Jesus brings exactly what you want. Because a lot of times what we want and what we need are not exactly the same thing. But a new day with Jesus will bring you exactly what you need. Lamentations 3 verse 24 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. Notice the phrase, I say to myself. Here's the thing, everybody. We all need times where you just speak to yourself. And as your pastor, let me just tell you, it's good for you to speak to yourself. Because sometimes you need to preach the best sermon you've ever heard, you need to preach it to yourself, where you open God's word and you begin to remind yourself of God's truth, and you begin to preach to yourself the truth of God to get your emotions to line up to truth and not just your circumstances, amen? And so we've got to get into a practice. That's, when you look at the Psalms, that's what the psalmist would do time and time and time again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope, put your trust in God, for I know that I'll yet praise Him, my Savior. Sometimes you just got to preach yourself into truth because your emotions are so distraught. And so that's what he's doing here. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for Him. Now notice the phrase, the Lord is my portion. Now what does that mean? What is he talking about here? The Lord is my portion. Well, he's referring back to what the the Jewish people would have understood. And if you know your Bible a little bit, maybe you'll remember this. But he's talking about when the Israelites were wandering through the desert. And as they were wandering through the desert, it was God who was leading them by this cloud by day and a fire by night. But not only that, he was their provision. And every day he would provide them what is called manna from heaven. And so every morning they would wake up and on the ground would be all the food that they needed for that day. But here was the catch. You couldn't hoard it and you couldn't store it up. 
You could have as much as you needed for that day, but once you were done with that day, it was gone. You tried to store it up or hoard it, it would just rot overnight, and it would be no good. And what God was teaching the Israelites is that he was their portion. He was exactly what they needed for today. And when you think about it, that same message is paralleled in the New Testament. We said it in the Lord's Prayer, and that is, give us this day our what? Our daily bread. Now, maybe that's easy for you, but I'm telling you, I think I would rather have monthly bread or annual bread. You know what I'm talking about? I would rather have my storehouses full and be able to look and say, I have more than enough. But that's not how God is with us. He knows that we need to be dependent upon him every single day. And so what he gives us is exactly what we need today. And so you have everything that you need today to get through today, and it's more than enough. And here's the amazing thing about all of that, because not only is the Lord's portion good for today, he's already in tomorrow there for you. And he already has enough for you tomorrow. And so whatever you're going through, there's enough for you today. And because he's already in tomorrow, there's going to be enough for you tomorrow. And so if your marriage is struggling today, you need to understand that God is already in tomorrow. And his strength will be sufficient for you to work. And it's his presence that will make the difference in your marriage. If you're weak today, God's already in tomorrow. And he already has everything that you're going to need for tomorrow. If you're depressed and you're lonely and, and if, if you're down, God's already in tomorrow. And he's the lifter and the strength of, of your head. And all the time, you need to understand, God will do everything to keep you locked into today. Because when we're locked into today, you have everything you need. And always know this and how God works. And you and me and every single person you ever come, he will work to get you right here and right now on this day. Which means he wants you delivered and freed from the bitterness and hurt and victimization of yesterday so that you're not taking yesterday into today. And then you're free from the worry and fear and anxiety of tomorrow that keeps you from living in today. Everything that God does is to keep you today because today there's more than enough. His strength is new today. It's sufficient for today. His mercies are new today. And this is what he's talking about here. And so that's why a new day with Jesus brings exactly what you need because he is your portion. And so no matter what you're going through right now, what you need is the presence of God. Whatever you're facing, whatever weary world that you're facing right now, what you need is the presence of God. What you need is his reality. What you need is his power. What you need is his strength. What you need is his goodness. And so because of that, I say to myself, self, come on, the Lord is my portion. And so I will wait for him because every new day with Jesus brings exactly, exactly what you need. Here's number two. A new day with Jesus brings us the hope to keep going. A new day with Jesus brings us the hope to keep going. As the song says, that Jesus is the thrill of hope in the weary world. He's the thrill of hope and faith when all that you see is darkness. He's the thrill of hope and belief when there's this new morning coming, even though you feel stuck and overwhelmed by the chaos of the night. There's this thrill of hope and belief and faith. Lamentations 3, verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait, patient, wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now look at this phrase. 
The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. I've heard it said that we can live 40 days or so without food, and we can live eight days or so without water, and we can live four minutes or so without oxygen, but we can only live a few seconds without hope. But I think the challenge is, and I think where so many people get stuck, is that so many of us are trying to survive on a hope-deprived life. And you may find yourself even now that that may be your circumstance, that you're trying to get, just get through, and the reality is that you are hope-deprived. And when we're struggling, then we're trying to just grab our hope to something, and at the end of the day, we end up attaching our hope to all the wrong things. We put our hope in the stock market. We put our hope in, in our, the company that we work at. We put our hope in the government or some political party or some political person. We put our, our hope in um, a certain outcome or a certain person. But the problem is, when you put your hope in the wrong things, ultimately, that person or that thing will fail you. And so then we become hopeless. And so the writer of Hebrews, he says we need to do it this way. Hebrews 10, verse 23. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Hey, everybody, we need to grab a hold of what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. And we need to grab a hold of this hope that we profess and don't ever let it go, because he who promised is faithful. The problem, though, I think for so many of us, is we're letting go of this hope. We let go of this hope. In the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of difficulty, we end up letting go of this hope. And instead, what we end up doing is we grab a hold of fear. We grab a hold of anxiety. We grab a hold of that pain. We grab a hold of that uncertainty. We grab a hold of the darkness of the night. We let go of the truth of God, and we grab a hold of and we hang on to the lies of the enemy. Listen, folks, we need to do the exact opposite. We need to let go of the fear. You need to let go of the anxiety. You need to let go of the panic. You need to let go of the stress. You need to let go of the doubt. And we need to hold on to the hope that we profess. It's the essence of what faith is that navigates you through that dark and confusing night. Four years ago, when we were living in Wisconsin, I received a call that um, no one ever wants to receive. Um, we had been out shopping um, with our family, and it was this time of year, and, and uh, my phone started going off and just pinging all over the place. And I would look, and I just couldn't recognize the numbers. And so I was with my family, and so I just wasn't answering any of the calls until finally one of the calls that, that came on was from the police department. So I answered the phone, and, and on the other line, um, I heard these words, Pastor Russ, this is Sheriff Torres, and Gabe Heller has shot and killed himself, and the family would like you to be here. Can you get here immediately? Well, Gabe was 18 years old, and he, was, he would have graduated that spring from high school. He was in the same class as my, my oldest son, and our families knew each other really, really well. Our, their oldest son and my oldest daughter had dated all through high school, and so our families were really interacted with each other, and so immediately I got in the car and drove to, to be with Gabe's parents, and over the next several hours, there was just wave upon wave upon anguish and um, un, unanswerable questions. If you've 
ever had to walk through with some sort of suicide. Um, if there's an unanswerable question. And it was wave upon wave upon wave of that for hours and hours and hours of that. And so uh, when I left their house about one in the morning, my heart was just so heavy for them. And as soon as I got in my car, um, I just started crying out to the Lord out loud. And, and I began asking God, you know, God, what happened? You know? Why did, why did this have to happen? You know, where did, where did we miss it? And then I heard myself ask this question. And that is, God, is Gabe with you? Which ultimately is the question we all want to know. And as soon as I asked this question, I heard this song come on the radio that I'd never heard before. And back then, I listened to this Christian radio station that was out of Madison. And, you know, it was... It was fine, but it's one of those Christian radio stations that just tends to play the same song over and over and over and over again. And, and so I, even though I'd have it going on in my car all the time, I just, it just became noise um, in the background. So very often I was very unaware of the songs that were even playing. But as soon as I asked that question, God is Gabe with you, all of a sudden I heard this song that I'd never heard before. And the words just stuck out to me. This is the words to the song. I was dead in the grave. I was covered in sin and shame. I heard mercy call my name. He rolled the stone away. Amen, amen. I'm alive, I'm alive because he lives. Amen, amen. Let my song join the one that never ends. I believe in the Son. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Amen, amen. I'm alive, I'm alive because he lives. Amen, amen. Let my song join the one that never ends. And then I heard the next words to the song that really brought this incredible peace to my troubled heart at that time. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, every fear is gone. I know he holds my life, my future in his hands. Amen. Amen. I'm alive. I'm alive because he lives. Amen. Amen. Let my song join the one that never ends. The thing was, I kept thinking was, man, if Gabe could have just made it through the darkness of that night. If Gabe could have just seen what that new day would offer. If Gabe could have just made it through the chaos and the confusion of that night and seen the sun rise, if he could have just remembered the risen sun that I know that he knew and the risen sun that I know, everything would be different. Listen, folks, hold on to the hope that you profess. Don't let go of it. Don't cash it in. Don't quit. Don't quit. And I understand for some of you, there's somebody here, which is why I'm feeling this so strongly. There's somebody here that you're thinking about quitting. And I want to just tell you, don't quit. Don't give in. Don't let go. Yes, it's dark right now. Yes, it's confusing right now. But I'm telling you, there's a new and glorious form that's coming for you as well. So hold on to that hope. Hold on to it with everything that you have because a new day with Jesus, it changes everything.
Here's the third one. The third one, a new day with Jesus brings the help that you're seeking. A new day with Jesus brings the help that you're seeking. Lamentations 3, verse 26. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know, sometimes that's exactly what we have to do. We have to wait. We have to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And the reality is that some of you here today, you need the salvation of your soul. You need to experience the forgiveness and the reality of God for yourself. Not just come to church, not just sing about different things, but to actually experience God for yourself. To know the certainty that a relationship with Jesus gives you in the midst of your most troubled nights. Some of you here today, you need that salvation of your soul. Others of you, you need the salvation out of very difficult circumstances that you are facing. In the New Testament, there's a guy by the name of Lazarus who was one of Jesus' friends, and he died. And he had been dead for four, for four days. I, I, I like how the King James Version describes this. In John 11, verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. He stinketh. You know you're good and dead when you stinketh. And he had been dead and gone for four days. And so all hope was gone. But then Jesus came. One day Jesus shows up. He tells him to move away the stone. And he looks inside the grave and says, Lazarus, come out. Come out here. And Lazarus walks out of the tomb to the amazement of all. I bet you if Lazarus could... He would tell you, hey, everybody, it's amazing the difference one day with Jesus can make in your life. There's a woman in the New Testament who suffered with an issue of blood for 12 years. Imagine the pain, the, the embarrassment, the harassment, the humiliation, the torture, the private suffering of this woman for 12 years. Every day hoping that this day she would feel better, that it would stop, that the pain would go away. But yet day after day, month after month, year after year, she's still stuck in this condition. But then one day, Jesus is passing by and she grabs a hold of the hem of Jesus and she's healed. I bet you if she could, she would tell you. It's amazing the difference that one day can make with Jesus. There's a man in the, in the New Testament who was unable to walk from birth. So for about 38 years, he had been lame. And he was sitting at the pool, Bethesda. And Jesus walked up to him and said, pick up your mat and walk. And after 38 years of being unable to walk, this man walks. And I believe this man could speak to you today. He would say, it's amazing the difference one day with Jesus can make in your life. Listen, folks, for some of you, you may be right in the middle of a weary world that you're facing. And I'm telling you, there's a thrill of hope that will make your weary world rejoice. There's a new and glorious morn that's coming for you as well. You may look at your marriage and you think it's, there's no way that it can become what it should be. But I'm telling you that one day with Jesus can make all the difference in the world. 
For some of you, you're facing sickness in your own body or disease in your own body or, or a loved one is facing that. But I'm telling you, God still is the one who heals. He still heals today. And whether he heals the way you think he should or, or not, he still is the healer. And I'm telling you, one touch of the master's hand changes everything. Some of you, you're in the middle of that dark and confusing night. They're screaming there's uncertainty. There's no epidurals to be found. You feel like you're all alone. You're right there in the middle of that very, very dark and weary world. And the darkness around you just seems absolutely overwhelming. But listen to me, everybody. Because Jesus is here, which is what Christmas is all about, the celebration of Emmanuel, God with us, is what that word means, Emmanuel, God with us. Because he's come in the middle of our messiness. Because of that, you can have hope in the darkest of your nights. Because Jesus is here, you can have the help that you need, no matter what circumstance that you face. Because one day with Jesus will give you everything that you need. The Apostle Paul, he writes it this way in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. He says, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is near now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. If you would, I want you to close your eyes here as we finish up. Because I don't want you to be thinking about anybody else. Because I, I feel just the presence of the Lord here in this room to really touch these different areas in our life. And for some of you, you truly may be in a really dark and confusing and uncertain, um, weary world right now. It could be in, and for some of you, it might be in a relationship. It could be someone you're, either you're struggling with, actually, with who you love. You know, for a lot of people, Christmas time is the best time of the year, but for a lot of other people, it's the most difficult time of year because of the people in your life or, or, or the lack of people in your life. And so the weariness in your world may be all caused by the relationships in your life. For some of you, you may be freaking out about your finances and what's happening in your job situations or the lack of even having a job and, and all the pressure of, that Christmas brings with all of that. For some of you, you, you may be dealing with some sort of sickness and you're in this season of darkness and uncertainty and this whole unknown and it's just it, it's just overwhelming you listen if you're in that dark night God's presence is exactly what you need the hope to keep going and the help that you're seeking I, and I'd love just to pray for you right here and right now and so if that's you if you you feel like you're just in this dark the darkness of a night right now. Would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray. I want to pray for you right now. If that's, if that's you, you just feel like you're, you're having to, you're walking through this really dark and confusing season and the weariness of the world is just overwhelming you right now. I want to pray for you right here and right now. And so, Father, I pray for everyone who's being overwhelmed with the weariness of the world that they're in. And God, I thank you that you know exactly what each person is going through. God, I pray 
That even now, that they would find the joy that comes in the morning. That God, even in this moment, that this would be a new day. That you are here, that you are with us, that you are Emmanuel, that you are our hope. And that you're our Redeemer and you're our Savior. So God, we look to you and I pray that your Spirit would minister to every single one of us. That you would truly give each of us exactly what we need. God, for some of them, they need the hope to keep going and to not give up and to not let go. God, for some of them, they truly need salvation out of a difficult, difficult situation they're in. God, for some of them, they need your presence to sustain them through this difficult situation. And so in Jesus' name, God, I release your spirit of wisdom and revelation that will open their eyes and heart to the glorious morning. In Jesus' name, I release your spirit of peace and comfort into their weary and confused worlds. And in Jesus' name, I release now faith and boldness and courage upon each one of these people to step into the thrill of hope that you, O oh God, are working in their lives that they would hold on to the hope that they profess because you are faithful. You are faithful to them. And so, Father, I pray for that courage to not let go, but to hold steady and to hold on to you in the midst of everything that they're facing. There's another aspect to this story that I think is just kind of amazing because, again, a non-Christian wrote the words and the music to the song, O Holy Night. And so I think it, it lets us in on this kind of idea that you can know the story of Christmas without personally knowing the Savior of the world. You can know the story without personally knowing the Savior. And so with your eyes closed here, for some of you, you're here because there's a salvation that you're seeking. You may not even know it, but you're looking all, you've been looking all over the world for something that fills the emptiness inside of your heart. You've tried things, you've tried relationships, you've tried experiences, you've tried money, you've tried everything, and you can't find it. Why? Because you need the salvation out of the emptiness of this world. You need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Others of you are here today. You may believe in a God, you know, perhaps as I did when I was growing up, and you think, hey, I'll just try to be a good person, and I'll try to be better than most other people, and hopefully that'll end my life with, where my good works will outweigh the, all the rest of the, the junk in my life, and I'll be able to experience then the salvation of God. But let me tell you right now that that way of thinking, that path is going to end you up right in hell because there's no way that any of us can ever be good enough. It's our sin that separated us from God. And so you can try to work all you want until you're blue in the face, but you're never going to end up out of this weary world. But the good news is that your weary world can have a thrill of hope because that hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's the Son of God who was born of a virgin. He died on the cross and rose again so that you could be forgiven and have a life with God. This is what Christmas is really all about. 
And there are those of you here today who you walked in here without that living, active relationship with God through Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you'll just call on Jesus today, you'll be forgiven, you'll be changed, and your emptiness will be filled. If that's you here today, I want to pray. I want to pray with you here today and be a part of opening heaven to you right here in this moment as this whole Christmas season starts, that you make room for Jesus in your life. And so I want us just to all pray here together. Maybe you can just pray this out loud with me. Let's just say this, pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, all of us here in this room, say, Heavenly Father, save me for my sins. Make me new. You are the salvation and the hope that I seek. So fill me with your spirit so that I can serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you for new life. And I give you my life. I surrender my life to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take communion here together, and there's two stations here in the front, and how we do this is that we just start in the front row, and you'll exit from your right, and you'll circle around, take a piece of bread, and dip it in the juice, and then circle back in into your aisle, and as, as we do this on each side, there's no obligation to do this, but if you just ask Jesus to come in your life, this is, this is the great physical step of reaffirming that and making that, that declaration, and as we do that, Jason Black is going to sing O Holy Night for us. Let's do this here together.
you would all stand to your feet here. I'm going to grab a hold of the person's hand beside you as we finish. And I want you to just, as I speak, just blessing over you. I want you to be praying that for the people on your left and on your right. And you may know them or not know them. You may know what's going on in their life or you may not. But would you just pray over them for that thrill of hope? in the middle of whatever that they're going through that would cause them to rejoice. And so, Father, I pray, God, that for every single one of us that we grab a hold of the hope that we profess, even here in this moment, and that we would have this determination to never let it go. And right now, in Jesus' name, we let go of fear. We let go of uncertainty. We let go of worry. We let go of panic. We let go of the unknown of the future. We let go of the hurt of the past. And we declare that, Lord, you are our portion. You are more than enough for right here and right now. And we grab a hold of that promise that you are faithful, that great is your faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. And so, Father, in the midst of whatever we're facing, Lord, we speak your blessing of those around us, that they would find that, that joy again, that they would find that strength again, that they would find purpose, and Lord, that they would be your ambassadors and light, and they, that every one of us would go from this place as your light into dark places in the world, in our, in our workplaces that we head into this week. And so, Father, I just speak and release your blessing over each one of these in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everybody. Five-minute party will start in five minutes, so 11.06 is when we'll start. If you're new here, we'd love to be, be able to meet you. God bless you. Have a great week.